The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God has answered that prayer in my life. If I would have one person that I would want to talk to more than anyone else on the planet, I just did that. I just interviewed Lauren Cunningham, the founder and president of Youth with a Mission. What Billy Graham was for the United States, Lauren Cunningham has been for the world. He's been a missionary that has literally gone to every nation on the planet. You're going to want to listen to this. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. For those of you who do not know who Lauren Cunningham is, Billy Graham is such a great comparison to who he is. He's an evangelist, he's a missionary, he's a Bible teacher, he is a major Christian leader and has been in the body of Christ since the 1960s when he founded Youth with a Mission. Youth with a Mission today is has 18 to 20,000 full-time missionaries around the world. They hold over 214 passports. Their missionary force is over 50% non-Western missionaries. They have 191 physical bases all around the world, and they have 27 ships, ranging from mid-sized to ocean liners. Uh, they do three things in their ministry. They focus on evangelism, number one, discipleship training or training, number two, and mercy ministries as their third arm. They are one of the most amazing organizations you will ever, ever understand or study. They are a decentralized organization. Everyone, including the founder, Lauren Cunningham, lives by faith for everything that they do. No one is on salary, and that is the kind of size of organization that they have been able to build by faith. You know, uh, if you've been a listener to this podcast for many years, you know that we went with Youth with a Mission about three years ago to Kona. This truly was a dream come true. If I would put number one person that I would want to talk to in my life and spend time with and ask questions of and learn from, it would be Lauren Cunningham. So today on The Kindling Fire, I have the honor and the privilege to have the founder of Youth with the Mission, Lauren Cunningham, on the show. Uh, thank you for coming on, Lauren. Glad to be with you. Yeah, thank you, Troy, for having me. So um, what we'd like to talk with you about today is about uh, renew having a renewed faith in different seasons of our life. And, and I want to start out with this verse in Second uh, Corinthians 4.16, and Paul was writing, and he said, therefore, we do not lose heart. You know, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And and the piece that I really believe that you have something so wonderful to offer is around how God has renewed you. 
one of the things that I noticed in being in Kona with YWAM was that um, you have a very youthful spirit and, and uh, you, you exude a, um, a hope and a faith that uh, is really, really attractive in it. And it, you always refer to yourself as being a young person, even though you might be old in age. And I think that's a little bit of this, what I want to get into is how God has kept you fresh and renewed and, and, and continuing hopeful. So here's the question. How has God kept your faith fresh and vibrant year after year, despite challenges or setbacks or delays? How has God done that for you? In, in, in a short phrase, and then I'll, I'll, I'll try to extrapolate. The, um, I, I think that it's Jesus and the Bible. God's a spirit. You worship him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus and the Bible made real and present by the Holy Spirit and uh, being a part of the family of God. And so I, I'll take that a little further here. Sure. In, uh, in, we, uh, we think of the verses there where it says, seek first, chapter 6, seek first his kingdom and then his righteousness, and mm -hmm. all these things will be added to you. So what is seeking first his kingdom there and his righteousness? And this is Matthew. And so as you, you think about his kingdom, it's the things we do that are in the will of God through our lives because his gifts and his callings, I believe this happens in the womb, Psalms 139, you're fearfully, wonderfully made, but in the mother's womb, you are formed. In fact, I believe that at conception is when we receive the image of God. Mm. We get the image of man and woman, the DNA of both, at conception, 100%, 100%. But then it mixes around to make you a unique person in all of history. Mm. And, and uh, because you're not exactly the same of anybody. And even twins, like my nephews, they're yeah. identical, but they're not the same. And yeah. and so then at the same time, and this came to me from secondhand from uh, one of my friends that was at the uh, Focus on the Family conference a few weeks ago, and and they had this scientist who was also an OB gynecologist who uh, said at conception they've discovered a flash of light. And he showed an image of it on screen that mm. comes in less than a second. Mm. And uh, God said, let there be light. And there was. And I believe that in every conception, he gives that light of his image. Mm. And that's imprinted on every, every uh, human being. And life begins at that moment. So... During that time, he gives you gifts and callings. Yeah. Your calling. This is Romans 11 and, uh, and verse 29. And those are without repentance. He's never going to change it. Mm. And uh, I, I remember the, uh, the famous actor uh, played the role of the Godfather, the first one. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando. Brando. Yeah. yeah. And he... 
he said in a Time magazine cover story on him uh, at the time of his death, he said, it's like I was born to be something and I never found it. And that's so sad hmm. because finding your calling hmm. is so, and God's not trying to hide it from it, from us, but he, yeah. we uh, actually cover it over with wrongdoings or wrong uh, motives and so on. But uh, our gifts support that calling. Mm. And and no matter what you are, uh, that is a gift from God to support what the call of God is. And when you do the call of God in the will of God with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, with his approval and his help, you're going to <coughs> actually be fulfilled. Mm. You're going to know I have a purpose on life. Mm. Every day I breathe, I have a purpose. Mm. And... Uh, and to, to stay in your lane. And so at age 13, I discovered my calling very clearly. And that was, I was to be a missionary. Hmm. And I had opportunities after that that would be a good test for me. Hmm. And uh, and those tests, I, I simply, it wasn't hard for me to say no. My father had a similar, you know, experience. And, uh, and his father before him and so on they they were all several generations were missionaries or pastors same with my wife darlene several generations missionaries or pastors yeah so it, it wasn't hard for us to to uh work together either but uh that will we'll get to that later here yeah, yeah. anyway the the understanding of your calling grows on you and it grows vision by vision by vision by vision. You're never left without vision of the next mm. and, uh, and of the greater because it builds on the platform of the former. So you, you first seek first his kingdom and everything you do in the will of God furthers his kingdom, even when you don't know it, notice it's happening. Then yeah. <clears throat> you also seek first righteousness what is righteousness it's right relationship you be holy for i am holy hmm. and it's right relationship vertically and then right relations horizontally so in that sequence you have to be in right relationship with god to to enjoy the relationships with others then all these other things you know your time your schedule your your ups your downs your weaknesses your frailties your sicknesses or your health your all of that there's something added to you and you're never tempted above what you're able to bear mm, mm. so i i would say what and this brings emotion to me uh, but if i didn't feel the presence of jesus any day i i would be I, I'd be lost. <laughs> I would not be fulfilled. I would not be uh, happy. I would not. And uh, a friend of mine for many years, we, I spoke in his church when I was 19. He was 23 or four. His name was David Wilkerson. Yes. And, uh, and he, he came to, to our place in Switzerland where I lived at the time. And uh, he came running to me and he says, 
I haven't felt the presence of the Lord in three days. And I just have to confess to somebody because I realized what was hindering that. Mm. See, a lot of people may, may go on for years and they wouldn't have that, but not, not David. And uh, he, he wanted to get it out there and right, you know, and so on. Yeah. And so I think that that's always our role is to keep a short accountant with God mm. and then with mankind. And uh, I haven't been perfect about that. And so that just talks about the grace of God next. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just that I mean, you explained it so beautifully, which is you, you're explaining something that is you, you're staying really close, like as close as possible, not only with Jesus in righteousness, but also in how he's crafted you and how he's gifted you and ultimately how he's called you. And it sounds like with those two pieces, there is this sort of regenerative uh, experience with God, right? It, it's not like uh, the law of entropy, you know, where it just kind of, you know, a one-time event just kind of fades and fades and fades and fades, right? It, it, it no. sounds like that presence is something that renews. Is that a good way well, to describe it? Yes. And drift factor is it can happen in organizations or in in individuals and drift is the gradual and right. that's really yeah that's that's one of the uh, uh more subtle uh temptations of the enemy mm. yeah that's a good way to put it so uh one of the things that um you you touched on this and this is about community and and let's just talk about the you know that most precious community that god gives us which is our wives and our marriages and uh, and how has you and Darlene kind of kept each other in a way that um, has contributed to both of you having kind of a fresh faith or a fresh vision? And and how has that looked for you and Darlene through the years? We only recently came to this revelation. I I, I knew that from the time that we were. Uh, met each other, that she had had a call when she was a child to be a missionary. Hmm. And I, when I was 13, received my call to be a missionary. Hmm. And uh, her uncle was a missionary to China, and he got caught up there with Mao Zedong's, uh, well, first with the uh, Japanese concentration camp. Hmm. He didn't get out in time. He got his wife and and children on board in time of, of, of a, the ship, but the next ship was to be the last, so he was going to be on that one while he tidied up his work there in China. And, uh, and he, he, yeah, the, the next ship didn't happen. So yeah. he went through that and then got out, went back to Canada. He was Canadian, and uh, that's where Darlene was born. And so uh, then he went again, and this time it's Mao Zedong that got him. So he's in, and he was his guest for that. Almost <laughs> starved to death. Oh, oh, terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible. And uh, times and so on. Well, she grew up with that understanding. And mm -hmm. so she had a missionary calling as a child. And I, I said, uh, you know, daughter, we've never talk, talked about this. You know, when I was called, I was 13, 
I know you were, were you nine, nine, nine and a half? She said, yes. I said, wait a minute, we've never thought about this. When did you get the call and where? She said, it was the summertime. I was on a, on a kid's camp, Christian camp, and Silver Lake, Washington State. And uh, that's when I received my call. I said, okay, you're nine and a half. And I figured it out. She's uh, three and a half years younger than me. And I was 13 on the same summer. Only I was on holiday with my folks in Arkansas. We always, I born and raised in California. And, uh, and I said, that's 1948. She said, yeah, that's right. I was nine and a half. 1948. God called us at the same time. <laughs> we didn't know it. That's we, so... we were, yeah, and we knew it, you know, just, just a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about this. Well, oh. what I love about that story is that that is such a great example of God. Like that oh, right yeah. there. Like you, you I, I actually don't know how old you are. How old are you now? I, I'll be next month. I'll be uh, 87. 87. And, so, uh, so, God she's has 28. This, so God has <laughs> this little treasure for you Yeah. at 86, all these years later, just to, just to show how good he is, how loving he is, how much he was thinking about you and Darlene. And you guys get to discover it so many years later. That's, and I, when I, I imagine you guys were very excited about that. You know, it's like, wow. Oh, we were. It was, yeah. it was a, just a wonderful thing. And uh, I, I, I'll say this from one of our grandchildren. She was uh, just a, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, preschool or, or kindergarten. And one of the students here at the campus asked, how old are your grandparents? And that was a few years back then. She said, well, my dad, my granddad, he's, she calls me Papa Lauren. Uh, he's, I think, around 70. And my mom, my Nana Dar, she's either 21 or 22. I don't know which. <laughs> and, and so Darlene made her, her, her favorite grandchild, that's for sure. But uh, we just love those children. But uh, anyway, my son, he, he asked his mother back when she's, uh, I don't know, old in her thirties, and yeah. he was just a boy, and uh, he said, "Now, how old are you, mom?" And she said, "29." He says, "But last year you were 29." <laughs> so he he began to catch on that that uh, uh, age is relative uh, in in the wife's case, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things that was so important, we, uh, I, I had already launched YWAM in yeah. 1960. Yeah. So uh, it was April of 60. So this year we are 62 years old. But we've been married as of next, ju next June uh, 14th in a few days. Uh, we will have been married 59 years. And yet I have to say, YWAM would not be YWAM, anybody that knows YWAM up close, without Darlene. Mm. She creates community. Mm. I am used of God for the visionary part. And, and he's always led me 
in the next vision, the next vision, not to do away past visions, but to build on them. Yeah. And, uh, and I presently have the biggest vision I've ever had for YWAM. Mm. And it's for me too. Uh, I, I'd get into that if you want to. But anyway, the, uh, the idea that uh, when we got married, I, I realized I knew the world already. I'd been around the world. I'd been ministered all, all over. I'd been to Moscow uh, in Russia in, in 1961. Mm. I was in East Germany in 60 and 61, and Poland and Czechoslovakia at the time they called it, and Yugoslavia and all of that. I, I'd been in part all over the world, all over the world, all yeah. the continents. And uh, and uh, not Antarctic yet. I was that. That was my last continent to be on in 19, uh, 2008. Darlene yeah. and I went together. So the first thing I wanted to do, because I was going to go uh, around the world hitting uh, the neediest uh, nations and opening it up for YWAM and so on. This 1963, when we were married in June. And uh, and and her parents wanted us to be married in September so she they could have her another summer, but uh, I I said no she has to go with me, yeah and and so we went together, and it opened up her heart, her mind oh, to her calling, hmm. and she began to discover it in in route and it was it, uh, in in terms of actions yeah uh, she had discovered it before but in actions. And it was so fulfilling for her. And so the Lord showed us that we were to wait on a family. We waited five years. That's what he told us. And before we had a family. And in that process, I got to take her to with me to all, all the continents. Yeah. Uh, except, of course, Antarctic. That came later. <laughs> but it, And we were 12 places down there. But it, when you... When you see what it was doing for us in our ministry, she was seeing the breadth of it and the challenges of it. Right. And also, we were a lot of in a lot of homes of missionaries and pastors of various nations and so on. And uh, and so in that, she got to see good and bad <laughs> examples, yeah. you know, as you do, and try not to not to not to be vindictive or judgmental or, or sure. judging motives. But anyway, also she fell in love with the cultures mm. because we are of all cultures. YWAM from the original vision was from everywhere to everywhere. Yeah. And that will, will always include the mission uh, programs that we have uh, from every nation. We, we literally have missionaries full-time in YWAM from all, well, they carry 214 pastor, passports. So yeah. there's only 193 uh, United Nations nations. So those are in, dependent countries as well. So after that time, when the family came along, I said to the Lord, now, Lord, you've called me to not only be a missionary to the nations, yeah. but you call me now to be a father of children. And what is your answer? And so we prayed about this, and the Lord gave me the scripture, uh, and First uh, Kings five fourteen, I think it is, 
5.4. Anyway, uh, it says that Solomon needed 10,000 workers up in Lebanon. Now, Solomon was a wise man. Yeah. And, and so he sent them in relays. 10,000 would go up for a month and come home. Another one would go up for a month and come home. Another 10,000 a month and come home. <clears throat> so he had to have 30,000. Right. But it was two months with his family, but only one month away. But for my calendar, this meant I was never to be gone from my family, not from a geographical location, because right. I'm called to the world, and so is she, and so yeah. is our, our family. And so as, as that would occur, we, uh, we would, uh, I would never be gone more than two or three weeks with my family, once yeah. up to a month. But uh, that, that was just a rule. Yeah, no, that, that's... And I kept it. And then the other part is I wasn't to be gone out of a year more than one-third. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that was issue. I said, well, Lord, I don't, I don't have an expense account for YWAM. I don't have a salary in YWAM. In all 62 years, I haven't. I have to trust the Lord for every, every journey and every airline ticket and so on. And I said, how, how can I do this? He said, take your family with you. Mm. I said, okay, <laughs> you take care of the money. I'll take care of obedience. <laughs> and so that's what I, I began to do. Here's an example. I was leaving here in, in uh, Hawaii. I was leaving to go around the world. And I had to go uh, to Europe first. And I was all over in, in that part of the world, then on to uh, Southeast Asia. But I only had a ticket as far that I could fly on as far as Singapore. And then I was to go into Australia, New Zealand, and the islands. And so, like Fiji and so on. And so, I, I, I had $100. I left it with her. I got on the plane without any money and uh, went to Europe. And, and so, I was there with different parts of YWAM. We, we by that time, had YWAM bases in every nation of Europe except one. And... Yeah. Uh, and so as Luxembourg, but uh, from from Iceland to Greece and from Finland to Spain, and then we were we had bases now in West Africa, East Africa, North Africa, and Southern Africa. And so we spread spread out. We were now in Afghanistan. We were in see we were fifty years in Afghanistan through every war, and mm-hmm. in Nepal and in India and so on. We. We now have bases in 191 countries full-time, and we've been in every country of the world, uh, at least part-time, including all dependent countries and hundreds of islands and territories. So we have 27 ships and so on. So all of this is a global thing, and I'm called to this, and I'm called to open the doors, and I'm called to go into a lot of the places first, uh, which I did. And yeah, sometimes even got arrested and carried away, you know, thinking, here I go to jail, and somehow I got out of it. But uh, all of these are exciting experiences to talk about afterwards. But uh, 
in doing this, I I left her with the hundred dollars. Somebody was leaving our base here to go to Asia, and they were short of money. She gave the hundred dollars to them. She had nothing, and uh, and so uh, she called uh, she called me, and uh, and said I, in Europe, she said I've uh, I I've just gotten a call from a businessman. And he was driving in his Cadillac, and he had a phone. <laughs> you know, that was a big deal back then. Yeah. And uh, he said, "Darlene, you know, he he hadn't talked to us in seven years, and we hadn't talked to him either." And uh, and so he said, "Where are you and Lauren? Are you still in YWAM? Yes. <laughs> are you still serving the Lord? Yes. Well, God told me to do something. Where do I send it?" <laughs> He sent the money because we felt my family was to meet me in Australia. Now, watch how God is so specific and so loving. He, he, he uh, gave her the, the amount they needed without him knowing it. He gave the amount for both my kids and Darlene. And they were young, but the kids and Darlene to get to Melbourne, Australia, where we were to meet up. And uh, and so I had a reservation, but I didn't have the, the finances for the ticket. I got as far as Thailand and uh, and I, I still had a ticket. I could go to Singapore. That's all. But uh, yeah. I was speaking to a youth uh, camp all teenagers in Thailand yeah, and everything was translated. And then I was sitting ready. They were getting going to take me to the airport and, and the man was up there talking in Thai and I didn't know what he was saying, but he said, came back to me. He said, I don't know what just happened, but he said, the Lord told me to take an offering for you. And you're, you need it, he said. And I took it from these kids. And look how much it was. <laughs> it was enough to get my tickets on the rest of the way. And so I, I, when I got the call back in Europe, I, I, in faith, I just asked the Lord. I said, now, Lord, when do you want them to leave Kona? He said, February 15th. And... Uh, I, I, I was to book a, a ticket for them before we had the money. Uh, you could do that back then. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and so I, I called uh, uh, the uh, Australian airline, Qantas, and uh, there in Europe. And I said, I'd like to get my family on a flight on the 15th from Honolulu uh, to Melbourne. And uh, he said, "Okay, yep, I got you on. Got them on, and and I said, and I'm I'm to fly from Singapore to Melbourne, and uh, and so he got me on that flight, and uh, I'm still in Europe. I still don't have the money. I still don't have the ticket. Yeah, and uh, they don't either. No, but then the money came, and uh, and I I said to the man when I was, I said the fifteenth. Now, I'm on flight 
uh, three from Singapore to Melbourne. And uh, that arrives at 10.35 in the morning. They're on 004 from Honolulu and they arrive. How can they arrive two jumbos? I've been to Melbourne, it only has one runway at the same hour. He said, well, your flight goes through Sydney, so does theirs. There, they will meet your plane that goes on to Melbourne. We met at the door. God didn't even want us to miss out on this fixed little flight. And my son, by the time we he was 19, had been in 105 nations. Yeah. My daughter, she was a little older. She had been in 85 nations. They know the world. She's yeah. been a preschool teacher in Africa, Asia, South America, Eastern Europe, Western Europe. <clears throat> and here in Kona, we've started from this one preschool, uh, over 2,000 preschools just in the first 10 years of yeah. the preschools. And so that's the way a family works. And yeah. my son now has been in 105, uh, 150 countries. Darlene, I t say she's a stay at home. She's only been in 153 nations, <laughs> but I've been in all of them. So you yeah. can see. Well, I problem. think that the thing that uh, we, we're going to have to wrap up here, I Zoom says I got to go in four minutes. And so we'll have to wrap everything up. But I, I just want to say, Lauren, um, you have been an absolute inspiration, your faith your stories, God taking care of your family. Um, it, you've definitely been someone that I've aspired to, to have the kind of faith that you have and to continue in. And so thank you. I know you don't know me very well, but I just want to say thank you because you've inspired me from afar to live by faith and to keep, keep going after Jesus. And I just want to say thank you so much for being that example. For me personally well thank you troy for having me on your blog here i appreciate it very much <laughs> all right god bless you lauren hey guys thanks for listening to the podcast if you want to connect go over to instagram search troy mangum or the kindling fire and we can connect there and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch i am doing a youtube channel so we do video formats of these podcasts and we'd love to have you look there okay guys until next time be awesome